Good morning, good evening, good night, and welcome to the all-new Midnight Movie Club. Hey, real quick. Okay, so something about this episode before we press play. Like, I recorded this a long, 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 long time ago. The reason it never came out is because there were actual audio issues. We lost the audio, tried to recover the audio, and we recovered it. It didn't sound right. So... This audio, this episode was like the third episode that was recorded for the Midnight Movie Club with Adam Knapp. And unfortunately, because the actual audio is bad, but the episode is good, I just need you to bear with us, bear with me, as we pretty much give you really, really bad audio, but a really good conversation. I don't blame you if you skip it, but if you just listen to it to kind of get the gems inside of it, we talk about a whole bunch of fun stuff, including the whole reason why I say Stanley Kubrick is overrated. But we also talk about Spike Lee and a lot of uh, films that people think are great, but are not. So check this episode out. It's me. It's Adam Knapp, producer, director, and a bunch of shenanigans in really bad audio. Good morning. Good evening. Good night. <laughs> Welcome to the all new Midnight Movie Club. I like it. Okay. Adam Knapp, Adam Knapp, director, producer, documentarian uh, of uh, you got The Wings, God Save the Wings, your most recent documentary, and you have out here in Kansas done a few uh, acting roles between some of the film race stuff, and then you got you know you got some comedy scripted work. Uh, what is that? Would you say I'm in demand? Nope. Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. you can say that. I wouldn't know that. What what what's that acting work you do? I'm in, I'm in demand when those film races come around. That's when I get the call. That's when you get the call. But you get the call for the. You got a show. On uh, was it KBTS? No, yeah, my, yeah. What is that? That is called. Um, that is called. Wow. Um, Wichita. Uh, uh, Wichita. Madhouse. Manhouse. Yeah. Out. K, uh, K, 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 B, T, S. Yes. What is it about? Um, it's just kind of a, uh, kind of about a deliberately corny, veiny, uh, story about a recent divorcee whose husband refuses to leave the house. Um, two episodes so far and I've played two different characters. Two different characters. Yeah. Doesn't that answer me? It's The second one, they put a weight on me. So you know, like the Tyler Perry thing. <laughs> well, I haven't dressed up like a woman. Not, not for, not for this show anyway. I, I have dressed up like a woman for a uh, live theater, but uh, that's a different story. A man of the stage. It got a big laugh. Let me tell you. I would have laughed at you too. Yeah. I, I laughed at you if you didn't have the dress on. Thank you. Okay. So the Midnight Movie Club, the all-new Midnight Movie Club. Is that what you're calling this? This is what this is called. I, I, I really like it. And so it's called the Midnight Movie Club. No, actually it's called the all-new Midnight Movie Club. Okay. And you call it Midnight Movie Club for short. 
but it also contains spoilers. So every episode, how this works is the episodes. I don't want to spend time saying we're going to spoil something. The spoilers in there. I don't want to have alerts and things. So in the comments, in the notes of the show, they'll let you know the movies we talk about. So, you know, if they're going to be spoiled or not. So if we're talking about Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. If somebody hasn't seen it yet. If they know we're talking about that, they should just. Yeah. They, yeah. If you are concerned, as soon as you hear the title, you haven't seen it yet. Uh, just fast forward, wait till we get to the next subject. Or make sure you check the notes of the episode to know what movies we're talking about. That's the last movie I saw in the theater. That's unfortunate. Uh, well, I I had not seen the original until a couple weeks ago. Okay, hold that thought. So, you can watch the Midnight Movie Club on YouTube, Positive <laughs> Facebook, and you can listen to it wherever you stream podcasts. So, let's go back to this. Oh, well, we don't have to talk about Top Gun. You can follow also Arrow Films, A-R-O-W-E Films or everything. All right, now, uh, Top Gun. Yeah. You hadn't seen Top Gun before you saw Maverick? This child of, no. No, I, no, I, Kenny has been bugging us to go with him to see Top Gun. Because it's the kind of movie that you want to see on the big screen. Uh, Darl and I had not seen the original Top Gun. Me, child of the 80s, never saw it. So we uh, we watched it on day night a couple weeks ago. So it's just, you know, otherwise we would have been lost. Would you? Now that you've seen it. No, I'm being facetious. We, uh, we would have been fine, probably. But now that you, okay, so it can stand by itself. This, this one I don't understand about. Have you seen either of them? I've seen the first one okay. way back. I just didn't care. The only thing I care about when it comes to Top Gun Hot. Is, is, is I know everyone is like Maverick and what Ace or uh, not Sugar or whatever fucking Ice, Iceman Iceman yes I Gus Goose uh, the only thing that means anything to me is Kenny Loggins okay uh, uh, the Danger Zone I love that song it's probably one of my favorite songs ever no kidding. If I had to make it a top 100, it will probably, it will definitely be in that top 100. Well, okay. And like, with it's of all the songs you've heard in your life. Yeah. Top 100 is not a lot. Well, I guess I'm sorry. So it will be in my, it will definitely be in my top 100 songs of, of all the songs I've ever heard and loved. They get you popped up. It does. They don't play them in that one. I kept waiting for it, but they never played it. That sounds like a, this is all like a movie I want to see. I actually don't want to see it. It's it's good, and I I listen. I am not in the demographic for. I don't care about planes. I don't care about fighter plot. You know, I don't care about bomber jackets, and that just doesn't interest me. Which is why I never saw it in the first place. But um, but the second one, it, it it really is a it's a good flick. Kind of corny at times, but uh, the way they shot it, I think, would interest you. Why? You just had died. Because it was very all true to life, the way they, uh, 
you know, there was the little CGI, the very little from what I understand. And, uh, they just tried to shoot it all practically. And, uh, it was, it, it was cool to watch on the big screen. So there you have it. I, I'm endorsing the new Top Gun. Yeah, I was just I can't I can't even care about that a little bit. I, I'm, see, here's the thing for me, I'm very like I like horror films, I like thrillers, I like suspense films, stuff like that. And you know, Melody, uh, when I'm following her on Twitter, and you know she does all her film festival stuff. You can't. I, I can't. I can't pretend to want to watch as many films as she watches. Oh, oh, how does she do it? But they watch it and they could walk away with like opinions and critiques. And sharing numbers on. Yeah, like I don't, I'm not, I can't kind of kick. And if we Melanie Addison, the uh, Adam too. Addington, sorry, my bad. The uh, director of Progress Don't Bust. Yeah. Uh, like, Whoa, 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 see, you broke, you broke up my shine of thought. All the movies she watches and remembers, like critique. Oh, yeah, so, like, you take that movie uh, everywhere, every time, everything, you know, it's just, everyone was talking about it for a while. Everywhere, I don't know, everywhere all the time, all at once or something like that. Or whatever this movie is, like, people love it. Can't help you. <laughs> or, or, or then there's this one... It's like D D D or R R R or something like this. Like all these big movies that people are talking about has been like really good and it's dramatic and you feel this. That ain't my wheelhouse, so I don't really care to go watch it. No matter how much I love films, right. I love watching this. It's just okay, just uh, dramas aren't my thing. If it's on if it comes on TBS one day, maybe, but Really? Dramas aren't your thing? Well, I mean no, I'm not. I'm not rushing out to see um, Schindler's List. Like everyone pretends to have seen this movie. Well, that's because uh, I don't think they're pretending. I think they probably really have seen it. I, I've said this before. There's a lot of movies that people pretend to like. On Kitten to watch. Here we go. All right. And you think Chandler's List? I absolutely think Chandler's List. Uh, Chandler's List. Uh, what's the sound of music? Uh, um, uh, it's another one of those like classic movies that people pretend. Casablanca. Casablanca. No, I know people pretend to see this shit. Well, I don't. If I, I mean, if I haven't seen something, I'll. And I. I, I and Kubrick had a lot of movies that people were trying to watch. Your film, the one that you like from Kubrick, I think most people have not seen that film. With, with uh, you got to the H bomb one. I don't know. The oh, the Under Strange Strange Love. Yes, um, I had to watch. Well, I didn't have to watch it, but um, I took a class in WSU from the late Jim Erickson that was a health film appreciation class, and. Um, and that was one of the movies. Uh, it was that one. It was um, Eight and a Half, Bellini. You seen that? No. Uh, it was uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall. Mm-hmm. That's a howling that people would seem to like too. Oh, bite your tongue. I'm not, I'm not, say, oh, I'm not saying it's a bad album. I like Pink Floyd. I think, but I don't think it's. I don't like 
people was talking about that album and like the movie thing that came with it like these great pieces of like dynamics no mind you probably seen it the wall is not as good as the three albums before wish you was here dark side and either omakoma or yeah i forget the other one huh okay i thought i'm impressed with your knowledge of uh that discography, I, 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 I can't name them in order, but uh, anyway, uh, Dr. Strangelove was one of the movies we watched, and, uh, you know, I didn't really, I didn't really appreciate it being a 20-something college student, but, uh, you know, I revisited as it as an adult, and, uh, my, my God, is Peter Sully's funny in that. And my argument to you... When the last time we argued about Kubrick was that he has arguably, arguably made the best comedy ever made. He has arguably made the best horror movie ever made, Shining. And he's arguably made the best science fiction movie ever made, 2001. I'm just saying. I'm not. I'm not saying that. Uh, so he got a good. I'm just saying that he has. Uh, you know. So you, you're saying Strange Love, uh, Shining, in 2001. So if I calculate that correctly, he has one solid movie and a half. That's good. Okay. All right. We. You better explain your theory then. <laughs> Which I feel. I. Yeah. I gotta admit, it's a pretty good theory. 2001. The first half is what. It's uh well it's it's primitives that uh, primitive you know ape who uh, are discovering themselves it's uh it's a lot of uh, space stuff. What's the second half? Uh, the second half is about all about hat. Okay, on um shiny. What's the first half about? First half, they're everything great. They're gonna take over this. Uh, Humongous hotel, have it all to themselves all winter, and um, they got uh, friendly old uh, Scatman Crothers there to take care of them, and, and he's got a he's, he, Jack Torrance is going to finish this new novel. And the second half is the fallout from Jack, was Jack was starting to go. This is the horror film. Look at that's pretty damn good. Okay, okay, all right, all right. And then Doctor Strange, look, I can't tell you enough about because I can't even remember it for most part. Okay. So, the fact that I was said to you, yeah, first half, second half, yeah, and you know what those are, yeah. Kubrick is the best half movie maker <laughs> ever. You can do this with um. I think, uh, what's the one I like? Uh, Clockwork. Clockwork is absolutely two movies. I think both halves are, halves are great. So the, uh, oh, you do? Uh, Clockwork. Okay. Me full Metal? Uh, we don't care about the No, no, no. Full Metal, we don't care about the second half. No, so, so we only care about the first half. Yeah. Uh, okay. We agree. We agree. The second half. For the one, you only care about the second half. So Clockwork... You once Alex gets uh, domesticated, and, and but you, you like all that film because we he's more there. There's the transformation process. There's I forget what it's called, but uh, that 
you know, he, he they're desensitizing him to get him yeah. right. And then all the stuff that he had been dealing with kind of comes back to haunt him because, or, or comes back that he hasn't deal with that. Yeah. So it's a good, like, uh, how you deal with your demons and the consequences of the things that you do before then. And then the first half is just this beautiful, I had to say beautiful, but it's beautiful um, home invasion, intense thing that, I mean, you know, Caitlin, me and Caitlin talk, uh, one of her favorite movies is Funny Games. I don't know if you've seen this or not. This is Caitlin Cody. Caitlin Cody. It's the yeah, movie yeah, club. Let's be thrown. No, this is what is that's why it's the movie club. You gotta if you in the, if you know, you know. Okay. All right, Vida. See? Welcome to the club. Thank you. Oh uh, the beard. Um Funny Games and that has been those type of home invasions have been done over and over and over. Uh between uh I spit on your grave. I'm gonna name of uh, high tension. Uh, just movies that uh, on the horror side have been done over and over. These type of home invasions, I feel like, are heavily inspired by uh, uh, what Kubrick did with Clockwork. You know, Clockwork's a really tough watch for most people, I would say. Like most Kubrick fans. Oh, I, I, I think more so. It's it's very It's a very disturbing... And Vanilla Sky is another one of those terrible half movies, too. Are you talking about the Eyes Wide Shut? What I say? Vanilla, <laughs> Vanilla Sky? Yeah, Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. They both had Tom Cruise. Yeah. That's I was able to follow you there. Uh, I, I, so I enjoyed Eyes Wide Shut. I enjoy all of this film, but I, I don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't believe This is what... For those of you listening, um, Penny and I, Kenny was involved in that. Easton Moore was involved in that. My niece is Shannon's McCrow. Karen Crow made Vanilla Sky. Yeah. Oh, I've never seen it. It's, uh, is that a... No, Mighty Day was a rom-com. What's Vanilla Sky? Is that the more sci-fi? Uh... I mean, ring for it. Continue. What do you stand on Cameron Crowe? Cameron Crowe is interesting because he does because he does the sci-fi. So he did Terminator. Was that Terminator? Terminator? No, that was uh, James Cameron. James Cameron. Let me get out. Cameron Crowe is. Uh, it was like almost famous. We bought his own. We bought his almost famous. I really enjoy. I actually have a script letter. Uh, yeah. I don't want to say it. Almost famous inspired it. It's an idea right now. So when I say script, me and like, I want to write this in here. But, uh, but more built around music. It's a common of age type of thing, but it's just built completely around music, static music, Motown, and uh, this kid who's trying to get into this concert. And on the way, he's, he's trying to listen to the biggest concert ever, ever better. And, uh, uh, he keeps running to all these musicians uh, from statue music and Motown for like these two competing labels, the Palatine 
Or not even necessarily competing, but you have Motown that's crisp, clean, uh, uh, company, Temptations, uh, Michael Jackson, Jackson 5, uh, and people like that. And Stack was more pretty. Yeah, Rufus Thomas, you had the other, uh, the Isaac Hayes, come on, what the barcades, people like the thing James Brown, I don't know what me. So I just want to go through this journey of music, like I almost felt this kind of inspired that. So with your perfect world, this would be. The, these would be soft, these would be, these would be famous established song in the bittery that's to people now here. Now they would kind of just be woven into the story. Yeah. It's almost like he meets these people when they're working on, I got this song, well, I got it out And then he had missing, you know, you want to hear it. I'm going to hear the thing, the shaft or something more or whatever. Uh, yeah, and now I had it so it's fictionalized because all of these people wouldn't have made these songs at the same time. The quiet, but it, it, I, what I want, I want people in the theater watch it and feel like they are having a party. Oh, it's one of those movements where, like, if we're all once people start grooving, we're grooving together, we're having fellowship in the theater and not shaking you in. Like, we all feel in this field. I wanted to feel like a concert in the Where do you stand, man, on a musical scene? I mean, music by our face. Well, movies that uh, and get on out for, or, I mean, you know, but why to charter a team if they went with, uh, I'm uh, and you don't strike me as a musical guy. No, I'm not. The only musical that I can but officially say that I enjoy and appreciate was uh, Sweeney Todd. And I saw that by accident. It was beautiful. And uh, when it comes to... I'm not the big as biopic person. Yeah, yeah, we... But only because... Um... It depends on what it is, because a lot of the black ones, I did not the biggest fan. I love what's love about you with this side. See this on That's probably my favorite thinking right now. Get out of it. Just if you're on, I'm watching. Lawrence Frenchburg, he wrote me. Yeah, tight turn. Yeah. Um, uh, Johnny Cash, Walk the Line. Uh, I enjoyed it as a film, but. I articulate I'm not I wouldn't say hey we gotta see it I think the secret to those is uh, number one you better have a compelling story which what is yeah it is dead and two we know the song you don't have to hear this over that a whole man song yeah just give us just give us a taste of it show the creative process as you alluded to yeah and uh, that to me is interesting yeah, and I think what's hard about those, not, I think what happened, so you say like straight out of Compton, um, you see that? I have not. Straight out of Compton doesn't do that. 
it, 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 you you kind of a part of the major moments when these certain songs are made and references. Oh, we just worked on. I'm saying, yeah, me and Dre just worked on Jerry and Juice, whatever. Well, it's really about the story of all these people, uh, Kingdom Gay, yeah, their relationships with each other and the falling apart, and like the songs are kind of there as like benchmarks to moments in my life. Oh, remember this song? You know this, but no. So, like, in, in, in my film, it really is about the music. So why don't you just write a play, um, why, why does it have to be Motown? Why is that? Why don't, why, why don't you write it? Why don't you write some songs yourself? Because I, because the kind of, I find those, always, Beatles are the Rolling Stones. Beatles. Okay. And so, the doors are the Beatles. Beatles. So the doors of the animals, doors. So the reason why is there's this polished versus grit that I bring in sports. Like we love these Motown songs because of the texture and the polishness to it. But that's the Beatles to me. Stacks is like really, really hard music. For soul music, it's heavy funk, you know, harder funk than what maybe the Jackson, the Jacksons were doing at that time. And, um, and yeah, I want to play those two against each other. Okay. And I mean, hit the same way Martin Luther King versus Malcolm X. Right. Right. But so my great my great grandfather, I, I interviewed him for a documentary I made long on top of well. And I remember asking him why he was Malcolm X. Malcolm X. My, my great grandfather threw my mouth to that. You said he interviewed him? So I interviewed my grandfather. Oh, what are you talking about, Malcolm X? I, I asked him. Oh, I asked him. He was talking about. I remember this. He was talking about their different approaches. Yeah. Well, Martin Luther was uh, absolutely not violence, and about the max word, given getting means necessary, wasn't pro-violence, but and wasn't against it. Yeah, is that is that? I remember that right? Yeah. Well, I mean, being that is easy. Is your grandfather still with us? Uh, this is my great grandfather, but no, he died around that old and uh, I interviewed him at 103. So, um, what he said, you know, but we, and I asked him, like, who did the people prefer? Because we grew up among the king. And he said, they were both fighting for the same mission. So, we supported both of them, even though it's different. And so, I kind of look at that era and back those two companies the same way as, like, these two things that are so different that if you like Motown, you may not like Stacks. If you like Stacks, you may not like Motown. Well, you know that right now, this music is everything to the culture. And that's why I like it. I can't even get the job because for us to it. But it's, it's, it's interesting. I just want to write it and, and like see what he goes. Yeah, now you're possible to write it. That's that's interesting, you know, because. Uh, you know, those two, those two individuals, you see as different as they were, 
were friends, colleagues. They respected each other, much as I imagine, you know, the Beatles and the Stones, they certainly have the rivals, but they were different. Ubridi versus Polish. Um, oh, that's, you know, maybe that's a dumb comparison, but uh, I get percent. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, speaking of uh, shitty comparisons, uh, you had an interesting tweet. Uh-huh. I didn't know about Spike Lee. And then uh, uh, I, so I only saw your response. Oh, oh, that's, I didn't know what was going on. I was asking white people. White people? Yeah, what's your favorite Spike Lee movie besides 25th Hour? And the inside man of it. There was two of them. Okay, I don't know what it's about. And so I'm like, oh, good. Lester's not around. This is just for white <laughs> You hijacked it. No, I, I said, I think, I think what I said was, uh, I'll never understand why... Summer of Sam knows me at more love. Because I love that. It's probably my favorite Spike Lee movie. It is my favorite Spike Lee That can not be a fact. Close. I'm going to say something that you're not going to like. Alright. What, what, what do you consider Spike Lee's... Uh, What's in, what, what is his, what is his Hall of Fame at? Where for some of the heroes, you know, being up. He's going to be known for? It's our days, he had to pick one. That he's going to be known for. He's going to be due to right to me. Okay. I, I agree. Okay. Do the right thing. I'm just talking about them on somewhere, Sam. It's a great little week. It's provocative. It was groundbreaking. It was thought-provoking. It was wonderful. It's part of our culture forever. Right. But it's but not the same story. It's the same story. Like says, and it was read, you the right thing was about, you know, racial tensions in uh, Brooklyn. Let me, let me forward to I Man, Summer of Sam, which, let's see, was just about 10 years later. Exactly, likely was, uh, you know, more established. And he dove into a subsidy that he lived. He was, he was in New York City when that son was David Burke was going on. And he, I, I think it's the same story. They turn on each other and think the baby, hey, you're here for him to me. Let's get this guy. Um, and they both end up with a, uh, basically a lawns. My, my child, Ron. Okay. No, you're not. This is my, this is why Summer Sam is in. Well, that's why he has white people. That's why I know why you you say some dumb shit like you. But Summer Sam, this is why I say it though. I aspire to be considered is more is top five for me. Scorsese. And I would say it's easy to say, but I think it's harder to say as a black man, though. 
uh, Scorsese with me, but uh, that come on, uh, he's probably number two in one of the city eyes. Number two, Phil, he's got down. So, our, a lot of the ends, you know, it's, I don't know, what I enjoy about the Scorsese, you know, is he's bringing West, uh, East Coast, New England, New York, with him, and it's always a bad drop. It's like the texture of it's the texture of of his characters, but it's still very much the bad drop. So when you see uh, uh, what's his name, Bobby? Cap Rally or Hero Let's shoot wall words. Okay. Those type of people, I think, the athletes. You see, like, certain people in this thing, you know, okay, this is about the territory. This is about, you know, to see a Jenny Mickelson or a Nero. This is really about, he, want, he knows that they're going to give him the texture of the culture that he's going to show him all the time. He does a great much for everything. He made it 80% of his gaps in this way. And I've always wanted that. That's what I want. I want it. If, if a black person, when black people are getting my films or my films in the gym, I want it to feel like a texture all the time. You, you get it right away where you may stop and say, is this Scorsese? And then you look in the Scorsese. Scorsese. Uh, Spike Lee. Summer Sam felt like that was him attempting with Dad. Because even though we know a spikely texture in his films, it doesn't feel like a culture. It doesn't feel like the background. And I think he attempted that on Summer Sam by saying, okay, this isn't doing the right thing. This isn't Crooklyn. This isn't a uh, girl saying she hated me, whatever. This is. Just a New York story. No, 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 you're wrong. You're wrong, man. That movie has the same overhead sweeping shots. You're talking, you're talking to me. Okay. I'm talking about like, uh, uh, as I say, you know, that's how you know a spike in the finger, no doubt. What I'm saying, when Scorsese does New York or he does Boston or whatever, but you don't even have to say it. You know it, you feel it, you hear it, and it's there. What Summer said was, what, what uh, Spike Lee did, he was trying to say, this is New York, and when we got what you're much older, the Latinos were doing, what these people were doing, like you said, all these that happened, it didn't feel like it takes you, feel like I'm just, I'm trying to create chaos. While saying this is how New York was, like you said, it does feel like do the right thing, but it feels to me a step down because he's trying to add so many extra elements to that. I scenario dive at that. What the extra elements? I love how long the soundtrack. I see. I see. That's his mess. Soundtrack is ever dot nine dan dot. Okay. Once addressed the elephant in the room here, there's no, there's no black people. I don't think in Summer Sam. And, uh, 
I can't think of any spike we knew we would have at least one blind person. Uh, therefore, well, yeah, and let, uh, let was on, but, and, uh, I turned brownies in this, yeah, I think brownies in summer, sentence. Uh, man, you know, I think other than the disco music, there's, uh, you know, probably, probably mostly, mostly white, Latino type of Italian. No doubt, Italian. But, the battle was real, man. And that was him, was the killer and Zana loose, man. People were turning on each other. It was a fly down. It was hot as hell. Well, it was a very intense time to be. I think. I think. I think it's supposed to be in the bar. I'm not really sure. Uh, 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 and I, I just, I, I listen. I know, I know, I know. Not everybody loves that movie, but uh, yeah, you know that to be a fact. God, I think it's great. I mean, I, it doesn't. I know everything about. It doesn't scare me that the question that was asked was white people. Well, no, he had one for black people too. Okay, with this question, white people was your favorite. Spike Lee came was about twenty fifth hour and inside man came. Your answer was. You want Spike Lee to tell that doesn't consider uh, a call back to me. And I think I was the only one that said something was <laughs> You was going to be the only one that said something was saying. Did someone else speak up? I would I, I use of it. Well, and so this is your number one I don't want to like. Against Malcolm X, Joe Fever, he got game. I've seen all those. Bamboozled. Never seen Mal. Miracle of Santa Ana. I never even heard about that one. Miracle of Santa Ana. It's uh, about the uh, Buffalo Soldiers. Okay. Red in the summer. Okay. Uh, 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 white players? Oh, what, I mean, I'd be like, white. I'm sorry, most time, I don't dislike any of us. Oh, no, no. You said that. Wise Klansman doesn't make me feel like Summer. Summer sound gives me goosebumps. I don't know. I don't know because I like Spike Lee. I think, and I think she took some major chances in Summer. Sam, I had to bring up the dog, the talky dog. But that was a part of the Berkowitz story, so I'm not against that. Like he said that he said that the dog started telling him to fucking kill people. The dog was guy or something. Yeah. This dog back is just, yeah. It's, it's kind of a comical model. Yeah, but I just don't, I, I think that was his attempt to use Scorsese, and I don't think it worked. I don't think Scorsese was talking Doberman. No, because he's an artist. <laughs> I just, listen, he, the Spikes have taken chances in most of his movies, and, and, and no matter what, bad. He, uh, my God, do the right of the bang. I mean, how many, how many years before that, someone just will dress you, they care about the break of fourth fall. That was probably one of the first. It's a budget thing. No, but it's possible. I don't think so. That'd be, uh, that's very bold to me. It's a, it's a, well, so it was a very bold choice of him to have this character's doing so, so frequently. 
that might be just so before the flood and just being in that pattern. You know, it's wily if you recover. But it was a totally in your face moment because he had this race saying, This is what I don't like about this race. And they all took turns. It was nice. Uh, you asked what you'd be known for. I, yeah, obviously, you'd be known for that. Do you know how many conversations are going to be had before they get to somewhere to say it? Yes, I do. I do. Have you won an Oscar for what White can play for the best street play? I think that you got it. It's either it's either that or do the right thing. It's like well, not the next two. Look, we get man many kind of uh you uh, Malcolm X, Mo Better Blues, Jumble Fever, Fred Um he got a game. Bamboos, if you haven't seen that, I think you should see Bam and today we should see Bamboos. Oh god. Bamboos who uh inspired me. Um and hostily. I uh there was a moment, you know, I went to art school and uh my senior year, I remember going to we had a senior show a senior exhibition to show our artwork or whatever. And I offered my I all my stuff was on the wall. I walked through the gallery and I was looking at my work. And I, 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 I didn't like it. I liked it when I was figured it out, but it came a moment I didn't like it. And it was because by that time I started getting in the social commentary. And the artist, uh, there was an artist named Michael Ray Charles. He was a, uh, he did a lot of racially, uh, racially motivated social commentary pieces. Mm -hmm. and a lot of it was like blackface stuff. He took Elvis, he trained Elvis, put a blackface on Elvis, blackface on cowboys. Uh, anything that was like only white, on something that people were known for, but this was stolen from black people or considered stolen or I don't know. Or take your phone, he put a black face on. Oh, okay. So we okay. This piece right here that I came is actually kind of going back to the root of the day feeling this with him. Uh, uh but anyway, all that to say he all he is he traded the poster work for Spike Lee for uh, Bamboo Sound. Oh, He's really? well, for a painting called Bamboo Sound. Okay. And yes. Yeah. So, it was a very uh, racially charged movie, wasn't it? Um, yeah, we can remember right. It was. It plays with the, the Mistral shows. Right. Uh, um, and it, it, it's, it's modern, but it, it, it plays with. Uh, some a lot of that conversation behind uh what it means to be black stealing from white white stealing the culture and right uh, appropriating culture and things like that i mean I, I really enjoyed it but it was mostly the artwork once i learned about this guy because he taught me something about coins uh if you look at the coins it's a fun one for people if you look at the coins um 
If I had a coin, I'd be looking at it right now. If you if you turn a quarter, this is easy. You do this with your mind, or people can do this at home. It's a fun little project. If you turn a quarter, they'll go dime penny, original ones. Wow. Uh, not the new stuff that we've gotten. I haven't even looked on the new stuff to know for sure. If you align them all together, and, and, and so one thing with Michael Ray Charles, he always had a penny uh, painted or stamped in the corner of his artwork. But if you took all of those coins, nickel, uh, even a half dollar, half dollar, quarter, nickel, dime, all silver pieces. If you lay them across, they all face the same direction. You put the penny there, it faces opposite of those. And it's the it's the brown uh-huh. penny with Lincoln on it. Yes. And then it's this idea because he freed the slaves and did the Emancipation Proclamation. Right. That it was looked like he turned his back on the country. So he's on the penny opposite of the other coins that are silver. He's on the coin that's uh, worth the least. So, so he, he. I remember seeing this on the on the PBS piece or Artnet piece, and I was like, "Yo, this is fucking fire!" And that's kind of when I really got into social commentary because I didn't realize like you can when people say, "Oh, you're saying something with your art," I really got into like saying something with my art. And like that is live. That's how all every every piece of everything I do is all about like that message, huh? And all the time, like this painting with the clown, correct? And and the white face. The first thing I noticed when I came in here, what the painting? Well, what we got painting there too? Did that one? When you got butterfly. No, you okay? So anyway, actually, no. The the first the first thing I noticed was your little. uh Hannibal Lecter, uh, Monarchs over here. Monarchs, taxidermy. Yeah. Uh, which I said, hey, hey, ladies out there, this is, this is. Women like monarchs, butterflies in the search. Oh, this is the collection. This is a beautiful intellectual. You're going to be running from this place a second. First of all, no, because they don't know my address. Okay. A little proud of life. Oh. But this is about what it means to be a black person. Okay. And yeah, I I had questions at the time, but um, we had other stuff to talk about. So. Well, this is inspired from bamboozle. I mean, to this day, I followed in. I thought about those paintings, and I, and I said I want to do something in reverse. And what it is is like if you uh, like a, a, a corporate clown, basically, if you go to work as a black person, you got to put on this face all the time. Um, because there is still no comfort in like, I can be me when I go to work, when I go into a certain situation, I can't be who I actually am. And so you put on this face and that face to some can be fake, you being fake or whatever, or it could be you being a clown, like you doing that for the white man. You're trying to be like them. And so, uh, that's what that's about. That's about that dichotomy that black people are faced with in the world is like, this is who I am, but I have to put this face on everywhere I go so other people will be comfortable or so that I can get along with society or get along in a space. And, you know, this was during Black Lives Summer 
when all that shit was popping off during the George Floyd and everything. So I, uh, that's that. I just I had started making art again. I wanted to make something that felt a little more real to me. That I have like I need a purpose for making this. And it was influenced by bamboo. I, I think I had just thought about bamboos and oh, I'm gonna do that. Now is bamboozled just a uh, traditional? It's not a documentary thing, right? No, it's a film. It's got a story. Yeah. However, for Spike Lee, Tommy Davidson, I believe he's in it. Okay, I believe he's in it. I can't, I can't remember right off. Yeah, it's not my favorite, but it's a good one. Check it out. But Spike Lee does have one of my favorite documentary style films. It's uh, Hugh P. Newton. And uh, I saw this. It's a uh, is day. Uh, was it David Governor? Something like that. He's been several Spike Lee films. But anywho, it's a one man show, and then it's him playing Hugh Newton. And I remember when I was younger, I saw it on HBO, and it was I, I just fell in love with it, and I fell in love. That's how I fell in love with the Black Panther Party. And like really got to like learning that this, and this is also the time in high school when I'm getting really into social commentary and what stuff means. So like, like I became really a soldier about the Black Panther Party and the movement that everything based on that one spike. That's probably if I'm thinking Black Klansmen is probably number two and that's number one, just because it was so influential and like my coming to age. No love for uh, Jesus Shuttleworth. He got game was fun. He actually Ray Allen. Yeah, did an amazing, way better job than you would think. Who was in the NBA at the time? Who was in the NBA? Who was in uh, NBA? Milwaukee, I think. Still. He might be the best athlete actor to come out. Okay, all right. Uh, and you know, it may be the other Boston Knight, Kevin Garnett. And uh, in uh, Uncut Gems, Uncut Gems, he was that was fun. He was awfully committed. That was fun. Uh, uh, best athlete actors. I like that. Is like an active that was yeah. an active act. Uh, oh, you were an athlete at the time, yeah. Oh, god, okay. In all, in all fairness, Kevin Garnett was had been retired, but okay, still uh, wouldn't expect with their far away. No. I can't think of anyone else right off. Um, well, I can, but they were... You can't know. say Jim Brown. Well, why not? Because those are black exploitation type films. They weren't good acting. They were just acting. Dirty Dozen, but he got the... He, he was in a lot of stuff. It's because he was scary. They were scared of him. You know, I spent an afternoon with him a long time. Jim Brown. Yeah. No, I didn't. There's no way I would know that. But maybe it'd come up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was a sports writer, and um, Barry Sanders' dad, Willie, you know, Barry Sanders from Vero. Yes. Calls up the newspaper. And, uh,. Said Jim Brown was going to be in town promoting uh, promoting chess to inner city kids, and uh, 
my editor asked if I wanted the assignment, and I was like, yeah, you know, huge football guy. And, uh, yeah, I spent the, uh, I spent the day with, uh, Jim Brown and Willie Sanders at, uh, at a school somewhere, somewhere midtown. And, um, it was great. It was really great. I think I'm going to say something. This is going to be right up there with your, uh, terrible, terrible summer sound take, uh, uh, Barrison is overrated. No, no, he's not overrated. But if you got a running back, if it's fourth and one for all, you know, for a Super Bowl on the line, he's he's not the guy like one of. Okay, I'm gonna say because he definitely can't say a guy with the Super Bowl on the line who hadn't been to the Super Bowl. No, no, I I, you know, I would probably take Hammett or old Campbell, somebody like I that. think he benefited for, from retired early. Well, I mean, it cost him, uh, it cost him the all-time rushing record, but I don't think, I don't think that mattered at all to him. Uh, you think you think it would kind of like Jim Brown retires at age twenty nine thirty, all the mystique. But you know, a lot of people think Barry Sanders is the best running back of all time. I know, and that's why I say he's a little is he pop. He, he could be overrated. Well, I just on the show I watched him play. No, I watched highlights. I, I mean, I watched him play at one point, but when I look at highlights of him today, I'm like. Yeah, he was running against Refrigerator Perry. Well, <laughs> meaning they were just big and slow. When you talk about the line that he had to run through versus the line that maybe Emmett, a little bit after Emmett had to run through, or Adrian Peterson has to run through, that's a whole different type of line. Yeah, what's your point? I, I, I don't it. I, I just don't think. I, I think so. You're all as a. I think he. I think he was a good running back because he was small, like uh, Cole Beasley. But I just don't think he was as good as he gets credit. When you say all time, that's that's hefty. So you're saying because his line wasn't. The lines that he had to run against were probably far easier to run against than Emmett in the later half. I think Emmett at the Cardinals had a much harder line. Oh, because he retired early. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, when you say all the time, I think you got to really think about that a lot longer. I don't know who I would if if you if you made me pick a running back that I thought was an all-time great, I'd probably say Walter Payne. Okay, sweetness. But, uh, obviously a Cowboys fan. Um, years, years after this, uh, chess day, by the way, um, I covered Barry Sanders' uh, Hall of Fame induction up at Canton, Ohio. And, his father, Willie, introduced him. He said, I can introduce you to the third best running back of all time, 
Barry Sanders. Which begs the question. Did he ever say who one of the two was? Oh, yeah. Well, could he, afterwards, he's surrounded by reporters. And I already know, I already know what he's going to say because I spent all the time with the gang. And they said, well, who do you, uh, who do you consider the best, you know, before Barry, your son? And Willie says, uh, number one, Tim Brown. Number two, Willie Sanders. Fair. Fair. And they said, oh, well, you know, everyone's all confused. Where, where did you play? He says, North High, class of 19, whatever. And, uh, and I thought, wow, I was in the same room as the two best running backs of all time. Well, Willie Sanders is probably equally as overrated as the sun. But, uh, <laughs> well, you really, really, you, you feel that strongly about that? When I, and I'm not when I say overrated, I'm not saying he's not good. I'm not even saying he's a bad running back or anything. I'm not even they he's a great running back. But when we constantly say greatest of all time, that's such a steep slang to say for someone like him, like leaving without a ring, without anything of no pro other than you know, a couple, uh, uh, some all-stars, I don't think that's really enough. Like, he didn't even get deep into the playoffs. I uh, I asked Gil Brandt one time. Uh, I had to see your former player personnel, president of player personnel for the Dallas Cowboys. Guy's a legend. Or no, 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 it wasn't Gil Brandt. It was... Uh, are you old enough to remember Dr. Z? No. From Sports Illustrated? No. It was Dr. Z. Um, Paul Zimmerman, I think his name. Anyway, this guy was an expert. And Barry Sanders was retiring. And uh, basically, he, he, he did not give Barry Sanders the best of all time label. But he said, I will say this. Nobody could blank up the defense like Barry Sanders, which I thought was a, I thought that was a pretty high compliment because uh, that's what it's all about. Single-handedly, he didn't have much of a line either. And he was, because of his size, that's fine. Size and speed, mostly size, helped the speed come a lot, come up a lot more in Lewis City. Now, when you're talking about athletes turning act, actors, athletes sag. What about OJ? OJ, I think OJ Orenthal James Simpson doesn't get enough credit. I think I think he was probably one of the funniest. And, uh, mm, it's hard for me to say that completely, but what he was doing in some of those, I mean, also Bill Cosby. Don't forget that he was an all-around athlete as well. But uh, of a professional sense, uh, I think OJ. He was in dramas. He was in comedies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think OJ is owed some some credit. And by the way, also I think should be in the conversation for best ever running back because uh, he was he was oh absolutely, and no one ever talked about that now. For all those reasons, let's say well hold on, let's see the time. Okay, got by seven, so we'll do this. Uh. Okay, most recent film that's not Top Gun that you've seen that you enjoy. Actually, give me that. The most recent film and 
two films that you think people should see. Oh, okay. Films. We go under the radar. Not the series. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, am I out of time? One minute here, you can uh, well, think about this. I mean, just whatever. Okay. Um, well, the most recent movie I watched the before Top Gun was uh, The Goodbye Girl. With God, I, I feel so white right now. Um, sure. It's a, it's a delightful rom-com. Um, 1970s. Richard, Richard Dreyfuss wasn't those actor. Okay. You got to tell me what it's about. Sell it. Um, it's about a, and by the way, I'm not recommending this necessarily, but it is a good movie. Um, it's about a woman who, uh, finds an unwanted, uh, tenant in New York City who refuses to move out and she can't really kick him out because he has taken over the mortgage and they end up falling love. He won does actor. He is high energy. Young Richard Dreyfus. Cary Grant. So that's most recent. Um you know, uh when it comes to recommending movies, I I usually bring up uh, a couple of documentaries which I think uh, have kind of fallen under the radar uh, Battered Bastards of Baseball have you seen that? no I'm not really a baseball jockey well okay this is uh, this, this it's not about the baseball it's about this underdog story of this ragtag independent team who took on the establishment and who can't get on board the bat? Okay. And it's got Kurt Russell. Okay. Who played to this team. Because his dad, who was a former Hollywood actor, started. So. And then uh, another documentary. You know, I'm a documentary guy. Uh, have you ever heard of Crumb? I've Robert Crumb, he was this... Uh, kind of underground pop culture cartoonist mm. who um, he created the cover of the Janis Joplin album. Okay. He created the Keep On Trucking. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I know who he is. I don't know this documentary. Oh, man. Man, is it good. It's probably, it's probably my favorite documentary uh, because the man who made it grew up with the family they trusted him, and uh, it's it's just a fascinating look into this guy's psyche because some of the some of the stuff he drew was uh, pretty perverted to be honest. And um, but he 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 makes no uh, explanations or excuses about it. He's just like I, I'm. He's an artist, and it just came out. He's like, you explain it. I can. And that's what art is about. I, and truthfully, like, um, you know, that's, that's, that's why I suffer so, like, I'm trying artists. So I suffer so much in editing and putting out stuff because we come from this world where when that shit hits the wall, you can't control what people say. Right. And as much as, like, I got a piece of artwork just leaning against the wall now, like, artists don't treat art as precious as 
the museums and the curators and and, and even the the shalos of art do um it's just kind of i don't know what it is but once we could i could tell this story about this piece ten thousand times and there's going to be the ten thousand one person who never hears that story and they see it and they walk away whatever they walk away with and so we try to be as intentional as possible always so when i'm editing something for video i don't like people say i'm a perfectionist whatever no i don't feel like i'm a perfectionist i have a boss that uses uh cause says use the word artiste like a four-letter word oh my oh really yeah and, and for me it's to me it's not that it's more so i know when i walk away with it i'm giving this relationship up and did i do i feel like i said what i was trying to say in that in in the six minutes, half hour, hour and a half, whatever I'm editing or what I'm putting there, or what I put out to the world. Did I say that? No, I feel like what I was trying to say is there and will someone find it? And if I think that's there and I think someone will find what I was trying to say, my purpose for doing this, then I, I'm, I'm comfortable putting it out. Regardless if only one person get it and 10 people walk away with the own thing, if I feel like it's there, I'm good. And it's not even really like, I don't feel like it's a perfection. This probably is, but this is how I feel. Well, you do have a reputation as a perfectionist, and you and you do have a reputation as a lone wolf. And I've, no one's contributed that more than I have, probably, just because. Uh, That's why I don't nobody work with me. Well, I didn't think he wanted anybody to work. I, I really didn't. Yeah. I just, uh, I, I'm glad I got to be on your set. I, I, I think that's the first set of yours I've been on. Yep. Um, Strangers in a Diner. Because it was interesting to see you accept help, but I could tell I could tell there was still part of you that wanted to have your hands in everything. And throughout the night, you started to you started to ease up and, and trust people more to do the jobs, which I love. There you go. What's this cat's name again? Name Cassie. Cassie. Cassie has entered into the Midnight Movie Club, the all new Midnight Movie Club. Adam, thanks for joining the club. Well, thanks for having me. It's an honor, my friend. Oh, not bad, 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 bad.